I want to begin today by giving thanks to Will and Chad for the last four weeks. And what a blessing it is for me to step aside and uh, do some time of just study and uh, refreshing myself. And uh, the only problem is after last Sunday's service, Doug Voorhees, one of my close friends here, came up to me and said, uh, Terry, unless you bring your A game, they're going to bench you. <laughs> so uh, that's my brother, Doug. But that, a couple weeks ago, I, my wife and I went to Texas, and we went to a prophecy conference with Lamb and Line Ministry, and I sat under uh, about eight preachers that I have great respect for, and I let them school me, and uh, I had a chance to uh, sit under some men to help me in uh, understanding some signs and prophetic events that are happening in the world around us. And, and that was such a blessing. And just in the last four weeks, I, I've had the chance to really do a lot of study, and I'm preparing a lot of new things. And just to give you a heads up, on September 14th, uh, we're going to start Wednesday Night Roots, so I'm going to go and make a plug. Um, you need to be in one of these root sessions on Wednesday night. It's going to be 10 weeks, starting the 14th of September. And uh, I have planned, already have it finished now, a 10-week uh, study on the tribulation from the Revelation. If you've ever wanted to understand Revelation, you need to be a part of this study. Um, it's something, it's a perspective I've never had in my life or never covered in the ministry. And there's a lot coming up. And uh, in that time, the Lord has given me the First um, John. And in fact, today, that's where we're going to start. If it is the Lord's uh, will, we're going to do 12 sessions in the coming weeks, all on First John. And um, it's interesting to me, it's not, you could call it a series, because it's just preaching through First John, but it's really, they all stand alone in their own authority. They do link, but they can also stand alone. Most people believe the last book of the Bible, Revelation, was the last book written by the Apostle John or any writer. But there are many who believe that the final book in the Bible is not necessarily Revelation. Maybe it was 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Now, I'm not going to get hung up on which one was last. That's not my point. But we do believe that the Apostle John's letters, what I'm about to begin teaching, 1 John, was written about 100 A.D. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. That would be more than 60 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. When John writes 1 John, it's about 60 years. The church is not a baby. There's a couple of generations of Christians around when John writes this letter we call 1 John. Now, that's another point. They don't really read like letters. They read like sermons. These letters don't have introductions. They don't have greetings and farewells like the epistles of the Apostle Paul. They're just a little different. They are much like sermon material, which makes it really handy for me to preach a series from. The Apostle John is seen as the author of the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that Gospel. We believe that that is his first writing, the Gospel, but there's a possibility that that was followed many years later by the Revelation, and then possibly 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John after that, maybe. But here's what's interesting. John is part of the inner circle of Jesus. You have Peter, James, and John. All are fishermen, and all are with Jesus from the very beginning of his ministry. This inner circle experienced things that the other guys didn't get to. This inner circle, for example, they were with Jesus 
during the transfiguration, when Jesus became like his heavenly form, he just got this supernatural heavenly light upon him. They were there, Peter, James, and John. And these three were with Jesus in the inner part of the Garden of Gethsemane on the night before he died. These three were the only ones allowed to go in with Jesus when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. John refers to himself in the Gospel of John as the disciple that Jesus loved. Now, I just, that's quite a description. I'm the one he loved. That's what he's saying. His own Gospel that tells that Jesus predicted that he, John, would live a long life compared to Peter. Not only this, so I want you to picture this before I read it. He, he says that I'm the disciple that Jesus loved, and I'm going to live longer than you, Peter. In fact, this is how the Gospel of John, now we're going to be in 1 John, but this is how the Gospel of John ends, because I want to use the end of the Gospel of John to begin, to show you the beginning of 1 John. And here's why. I want you to understand that when he's talking about the events of the Gospel of John and then the letter of John, there's 60 years between them. That's a long time for a man. So let's go to John 21, 18. This is how the Gospel of John ends. Jesus is talking to Peter as I start today. Jesus to Peter. I tell you the truth, Peter. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, Peter, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him, Peter, know by what kind of death he would glorify God. He's, he's telling Peter, at the end of your life, it's going to be really hard. Other people are going to be in control of your life. And that will be how you die. Jesus said this to let him know what kind of death he would glorify God. And then Jesus said, here's what's interesting. Jesus said, regardless of all that ending stuff, follow me. Peter turned, now he's just gotten the news that life is going to end for him in a very difficult circumstance. This is how you're going to die with other people in charge of your day, your schedule. Peter turned around and saw behind him the disciple that Jesus loved. Now understand, this is John writing this. Peter turns around and sees the disciple that Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? And Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? In other words, you just told me I'm going to die in not so pleasant circumstances, but what about John? What about him? And Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Now, John's writing this, okay? So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple, John, wouldn't die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you, Peter? This disciple, John's writing himself, this disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here. And we know that his account of these things is accurate. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Now, I can't imagine a better introduction to 1 John than that one. 1 John. Understand, there's going to be a 60-year gap between these two events. Jesus here and then John writing his letters Maybe one more introduction. Before I read the first verse of 1 John, why don't I read the first verse of John, the gospel? Let's see what you think about these two first verses 60 years apart. See if you find the common theme. 
This is the gospel of John 1.1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word, the Word, the Word. That's the first verse. Now let's go to 1 John 1.1. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. Do you see it? Do you think it's a coincidence that 60 years apart, he still got the same message? The word, the word, the word, the word, the word. The word of life. Every English translation that I looked at said the same thing in that sentence. The word of life. He is the word of life. You and I will never understand any of this until we come to grips with those words. The word of life. So I think it would be important for me to begin right now by saying this. I believe what I hold in my hand is the only physical source of absolute truth on this planet. I believe what I hold in my hand, the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, is the word of life. It is the word of life. You and I will never understand any of this until we come to grips with this word of life. The word is life. And the word was there in the beginning. Before Genesis, before creation, the Word was there. The Word became flesh and blood and was born to a virgin named Mary. The Word came to bring a message. The Word is the message, and the message is the Word. If you reject the message... You reject the Word. And if you reject the Word, you reject the person of Christ. And if you reject the person of Christ, you reject life itself. Because He is the Word of life. Now, in these past four weeks, I've had a time to think about things maybe I wouldn't normally think about. But I, I've kind of had this thing keeps going in my mind that perhaps some of the methods that I use have made the church in some way lazy. Let me tell you what I refer to. We put every scripture that I use on the screen beside me so that you can look at that and read it as I read it and stay up with me. Um, but I've noticed a lot of people don't bring their Bibles to church. And you would say, well, why do I need to bring my Bible? Because you go so fast, I couldn't keep up with you anyway. <laughs> and you're right. I, I don't think you could possibly. I use a lot of Scripture. You probably noticed that. And, and when I do, you probably would not be able to turn fast enough to stay with me. So I have this dilemma. And here's where I'm trying to explain this. The dilemma is this. I, I, I want you to experience the Bible yourself, but I recognize you won't be able to stay up with me in the context of these sessions. But I got to tell you something. You cannot get enough Word of Life on this TV screen beside me on a Sunday morning. You can't do it. You, it's impossible. So I don't want to make you lazy. I don't want to be responsible to have made you lazy. Number two, every scripture that I plan to use in each session, always, uh, every scripture that I plan to use is on the back of that bulletin. Why do you think I do that? Because I want you to take that and go deeper. I want you to take that home and go deeper. I want you to look at the context surrounding those, those scriptures and, and test to see if what I'm teaching is correct and true. I want you to become a student of the Word of Life yourself. Not depend upon me only, 
but that I just kind of introduce you to something that you take deeper and farther. That gets that off my chest. Now it's up to you. (laughs) Carry your Bibles. Carry your Bibles. This is the word of life. John 5, 24. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. Do you understand? There's a message. It is the word of life. And those who listen to my message, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe that I came as who I said I am, they have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins. Somebody say hallelujah. You'll never be condemned for your sins. If you listen to the message, receive the message, believe the message, but they have already, I love this part, they have already passed from death to life. What makes you cross from death to life? I listened to the message, I received the words of life. I crossed over from dead to living. The message, the word is eternal life. They are connected as one. When I speak today, when I read from the Bible today, you know what I'm doing? I am speaking life into this room. I am speaking life. These are the words of life. When I speak them, life comes in the power of the word. We find this truth in the world today. People want life. Who doesn't want life? But they refuse the word. You want life, but you refuse the word, the message, and the person of Christ. They want life without the word. They also want the fruit of a Christian society, but I don't want Jesus. Today I proclaim this truth. There is no life without Jesus. He is the breath of life from the very beginning. He is the breath of life. He is the essence of life, the source of life, the word of life. So let's go back to John 1, the gospel of John. I want to read the first five verses. In the beginning, the word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, the Word, and nothing was created except through Him, the Word. The Word gave what? Life. Where did life come from? The Word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. If the Word, let me hold it up. If the Word is in you, you have life. If the Word is in you, you have life. Why? He is the word of life. If the word is not in you, you have no life in you, and you will one day go to the place of the dead. Jesus is the word of life. Jesus is the spirit that breathes the breath of life and turns dust into a living soul. In the Garden of Eden, the breath of God breathed into a man who was made of dust, and the man became a living soul, a living being. What was it? It was the breath. He spoke. He breathes life. You can't get it anywhere else. And by the way, when he turned dust into life, he has already announced he's going to do it again on the last day. When the dead in Christ, whose bodies, whose bones have turned to dust, will receive a supernatural word. 
those, and here's how the scripture says, those in their graves will hear the voice of the Son of Man, and they will rise. He will speak a word of life. And people who have been dead and buried for 2,000 years will stand up and walk. He is the word of life. Without the Spirit, without the Word, without Jesus, the human body will one day turn back to dust because the breath of life will no longer be in the body and the body will return to dust unless you have the Word of life inside of you. God created everything through Him, John wrote. And nothing was created except through Him, John wrote. The Word gave life to everything that was cre created, and His life brought light to everyone. In John 6, 63, Jesus says, The Spirit alone gives eternal life life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken are spirit and life. The words are spirit and the words are life. When I read the Bible today, I say it again. I speak life into this room. I speak truth into this room. The word is spirit and the Spirit is life, and the words, the message, and the person of Christ are life. The Word is Spirit. Let that, I want you to think about that. The Word is Spirit and life. What that really means is this. The Word is alive. Now, I know that it's hard for our mind to comprehend this. It's one of the issues of faith. The Word is alive. That's how it all works. The Word is alive because the Word is the person of Christ. Alive and well, right here today, in this room, right now, around us, hopefully, I hope inside of you, and I hope His presence surrounds us, the Word is alive and here. Now, in Hebrews 4.12, it says the Word of God is alive and powerful. What's alive? The Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit. Can you see someone's soul? Can you see someone's spirit? Can you see how the Word which it can do it? I, I can't see how the Word cuts between the soul and the spirit and reveals the innermost thoughts of man. I can't see it, but I know it's true. Because when I read this book, something happens. Something happens. It's the word of life. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It, what? The word exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. When I read the word, what happens? It exposes me to him. It exposes him to me. Everything is naked. When I read the Word, everything is naked and exposed before His eyes. And He is the one whom we are accountable. One day you will stand before Him, clothed in your righteousness or clothed in the righteousness of His beloved Son. But everyone one day will stand in front of Him. Now, all of that, is to try to come to grips with this simple yet profound phrase, word of life. Now, I'm going to go and read the first two verses. You know how many verses we plan to cover from 1 John today? Four. Now you know why it'll take me 12 weeks to get through this. <laughs> Let's go do the first two verses. 
we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and now we proclaim that to you that he is the one, singular, he is the one who is eternal life. He was from, he was with the Father. And then he was revealed to us. John, in these two verses, is giving witness testimony. It's like there's a, a courtroom scene, and he's given this testimony of what he has seen and what he has heard firsthand. Here's what he says. We have heard. We have seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. Can you see how powerfully compelling John's witness testimony is? He says, this is the one who is life itself. He was revealed to us, and we, we've seen him, and now we testify. Here's his testimony. We proclaim to you, he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then the Father revealed him to us. Can you imagine the Apostle John? We understand that when he writes this, he is in his 90s. I, mean, I don't know if he's on the island of Patmos or some say he's in Ephesus when he's writing. I don't know. But he's, he's an old guy in his 90s. If John wrote this after the revelation, and I'm not sure, can you imagine this revelation experience that might have occurred before he writes 1 John? Can you put the two together? So let's go to the revelation. Verse, chapter 1, verse 17. And John's going to encounter Jesus. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and he said, don't be afraid, John. I love that sentence. I didn't come to mess you up. Don't be afraid, John. I am the first and the last and I am the living one. Singular. I am the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I, I hold the keys, John. Don't be afraid. John, I'm the one who holds the keys. Not Satan. I'm the one who holds the keys to death and the grave. I'm the living one. So let's come back to our present time and place into this room today. If you're watching online, I'm going to do the same thing. I want to ask everyone a question. It is an urgent, important question, and it is yes or no. There's no maybes. Do you accept the witness testimony of the Apostle John today in those two verses? Do you accept the witness testimony of this man of God who saw and heard and testifies, he alone is the word of life? It's yes or no. In case some of you have a short memory, I'm going to read it again. And as I read it, do you accept this as absolute truth? Because you will one day be accountable before God with this witness testimony. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and we proclaim to you, he is the one. He is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. This is pretty much a yes or no question. Some, and the reality is this, I'm a realist, some believe and some don't. What? That Jesus alone singularly is the word of life. Some will experience eternal life through the word of life, and the truth is some won't. And that's only two verses from 1 John. I think we can handle two more. Here they come, verses 3 and 4. We proclaim to you that testimony continues. 
we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and actually heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. He's saying this so that those who read the witness testimony will have fellowship, which means we believe the same thing. We accept the same truth. We receive the same revelation, and that makes us have fellowship. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things, 1 John, we are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Now, if you know that Jesus is the word of life and you have received the word of life, you have joy. Because what can, the biggest enemy that you will ever face will be death, and he holds the keys. It's called joy. Joy is not based upon your circumstances. Joy is based upon truth, that I know how this thing ends. Fellowship. John's letter is about believing, receiving, and finding fellowship with God and fellowship with each other, and that is to fully share the joy with John and the other apostles. Do you understand what John's saying here is that if we come to the same truth that John and Peter and James came to, that we share the same fellowship with God that they did because we've came to the same truth that they did, the word of life. Believing the word of life, receiving the word of life, and living in fellowship with the word of life, by living in fellowship with the community of people, the church, that live under the word of life. The word of life, the word of life, the word of life, the word of life. Do you see it? All right, here's when it gets interesting. Fellowship with the Father. That's what John offers the joy that we have fellowship with the Father and with the Son. Fellowship with the Father can only be found through fellowship with the Son. Stay with me. We're going to get practical. Fellowship with the Father can only be achieved and experienced when you have fellowship with the Son. Fellowship with the Son can only be achieved when you have fellowship with the Word. He is the Word of life. Jesus revealed this truth before he ever went to the cross. Let me read it to you. John 17, verse 1. After saying all these things, Jesus looks up to heaven. He's, going, he's praying to his Father. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He, the Son, gives eternal life to each one you, the Father, have given to him the Son. He has authority over everyone. What does that authority look like? He holds eternal life. And what is eternal life? How will he distribute this eternal life that he has received from the Father? And this is the way to have eternal life. Oh boy, this is gonna be good. And this is the way, it's this simple. It's this clear, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you. The only true God in Jesus Christ, the one you sent to the earth. I brought glory to you here on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Now, some would ask, how in the world? If this is the secret to eternal life, to know you, the one true God. And by the way, that word in the Greek is genosko. That word genosko means to know fully. It is not to know about him. It is to know him intimately, to be in fellowship with him. That is what that word means. This is eternal life, to know God and the son he sent to the earth. So here comes the practical application today. How in the world can we know God? The Bible says that he is spirit. Jesus says that my father is spirit. So how are you going to know a spirit? The Bible says that he lives in unapproachable light. How in the world are we ever going to get to know the father? 
We can know God the Father one way. By knowing Jesus the Son. That's why he came. We would never be able to reach him, so he reached down to us. We can know God the Father only by knowing Jesus the Son. But that brings up another interesting question. How in the world can I know Jesus the Son? He left here some 2,000 years ago. So how am I going to get to know him? If this is eternal life, to know God and to know his Son, okay, you got my attention. I know the Father by knowing the Son, but how can I know the Son? He left. Do you want to know the answer? And here's why I say that. The churches around America are filled with people who don't want to know. Because when you hear the answer, something will have to change. Something must change. Here's the answer. We can know Jesus, which is the only way to know God the Father, one way. By knowing the word of life. I'm not talking about knowing about Jesus. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about knowing him. That's genosko. That is to know him fully. By receiving, listen, his indwelling spirit into our physical bodies. He is the word of life inside of our bodies right now. I wish I could say I know that is universal for this audience, but I highly doubt that to be true. He is the word of life inside of our bodies right now, knowing Jesus by faith. We have already crossed over from death to life. We're just waiting for that resurrected body to put it all together. But how? Okay, 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 you got my attention. To know God, I need to know the Son. To know the Son, I need to know the Word. Here's the word of life. Here it is. Okay, preacher. How in the world can I open up this Gospel of John, this letter, 1 John, and read it and actually know Jesus? Do you want the answer? A lot of people in the church really don't want the answer because if you get the answer, you're going to have to change. There's only one way I can read the Gospel of John or Genesis to Revelation and understand it. Some of you know the answer. It is through the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit. How can I truly know the Word, genosko? To know fully the Word, the message that God has written down by the apostles. God, through the Spirit, compelled John to write down this letter. God has protected this letter for generations. You have a copy of it in your language. Why? So that you would read it, scratch your head, and not understand? Nuh-uh. So that the Spirit of Christ, as you open the Word of life, would reveal to you Jesus who reveals the Father. Where's that come from? The Word of life. John 16, 12. Jesus says, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't, bear it. you can't handle it. When the spirit of truth comes. Listen, listen, church. How can I understand the word? If understanding the word is understanding Jesus, is understanding Jesus, is understanding God. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. When he comes. He will not speak on his own, the spirit of truth, but he will tell you what he has heard. From whom? He will tell you even about the future. Do you know that one-third of this is prophecy? Do you think that's just filler so it's a bigger book? One-third of this is prophecy. Do you think that God wants his church to know what's coming? How will we know what's coming? Because the Spirit will reveal the future. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. That, by the way, is in the word of truth, too. But we should know the signs. 
He will even tell you about the future. Verse 14. He will bring me glory, who, the spirit that's coming to reveal the word. He will even, he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. Who's me? Jesus. Who's him? The spirit of Jesus will reveal to me what Jesus wants me to learn from the word of life. Yes. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Okay. Big question. Can you see the way to the Father in heaven now? Now, this is eternal life. To know you, the one true God. To know God, we must know the Son. But how? Through the Word. But how can we know and truly understand the word, the word of life? The spirit reveals the truth and truth is a person. Truth is the word made flesh. Truth is the word of life that reveals the way to the father. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word, the word of life. And here comes the next interesting point. Wow, that's incredible. You mean to tell me I can open the Bible and the Spirit will reveal to me secrets and understanding, supernatural secrets and understanding so that I might know Jesus and that by knowing Jesus, I can know the Father. And if I know the Father, I have eternal life. Wow, everybody wants this, right? You'd be wrong. You'd be wrong. Why? There is a spiritual war that's taking place. John 17 Verse 13, Jesus is praying to the Father. Listen carefully. Jesus says, now I am coming to you. He's about to go to the cross. Now I am coming to you, and I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with my joy. I have given them what? What do you, what do you give them while he was here? I have given them your word. That's what John wrote down. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because I gave them your word. What? I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. And then Jesus says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I'll do that later, one day. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. You see the spirit war who hates the word? They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy. How? By your truth. Teach them your word. Which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. What's he sending us into the world with? The word of life. This is it. As I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them, so they can be made holy by your truth, which is the word. Chad last week said these words. I actually played it in the beginning. Don't say God has been silent when your Bible is closed. There's a spirit war that I keep talking about here. And I, in the spirit war, war, something is clear. The world hates this. It hates it. The world hates the word of life because the world is living under a lie and a liar. The world hates the Bible. Do you doubt that? Get it out of the school. Get it out of the government. Get it out of the culture. Get it out of here. We cannot experience our true self, our true enlightened freedoms with this book. You've got to get it out of here. But this is the word of life. It hates it. The world wants life. Everybody wants life, but it hates the word of life itself. Do you see the spirit war? The world wants the fruit of a Christian culture without Christ. The very source of a fruitful culture. The world hates the truth and the single source of truth. Why? Because the world belongs to the devil. 
Jesus calls him the evil one. It's interesting to me that he calls him out singularly. Now, there are a lot of demons that have joined in the rebellion against God, but they all operate under a single authority. Understand this. Satan, the evil one. Father, I do not ask you to take them out of the world. I ask you what? Protect them from the evil one. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Evil one. Jesus said these words to his father, father, shortly before he went to the cross. Just as you sent me into the world as the word of life, I'm sending them into the world. What with? What did the church go into the world with? The word of life. We carry this, right? This is our message, right? It's the word of life. So you won't die. And here we are some 2,000 years later, and it's interesting to me that I don't have any new material. It's the same book they were teaching 2,000 years ago. So I'm asking you a question, church. If you're watching online, it's the same question. What will you do with this word of life today? I speak life into this room. What will you do with this word today? Do you know what follows? This is when it gets really interesting. I'm going to summarize, and then we'll... We'll we'll close. You know what follows that section in John's gospel where Jesus prays to the Father for those he is sending in the world with this word of life? You know what? This next part is, it's practical application and simple. If you believe this is the word of life. John 17, 20. This is after he prays I'm sending them into the world just like you sent me. They're going to carry the word of life. Here we go. Verse 20. I am praying not only for these disciples who are going to carry this into the world. I'm praying not only for the first century, Peter, Andrew, James, John, those guys. I'm not just praying for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's 1 John, right? What's he going to pray for us today? I pray that they will all be one. There's the church. Just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they, the church, be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them. Listen carefully. How's he describing it? I am in them and they are in me and you are in me. You're in me. I'm in them. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given to me to be with me where I am. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did you hear what he said? Father, I want those who you have given to me to be with me where I am, and the reference is forever. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you. There's Junosko. They, they, don't, they, don't, they might know about you, but they don't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. And then your Father, then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Your love for me will be in them, and I, and I will be in them. So I, I, I want to do something. I, I think sometimes... It's easy if you have an illustration. I want to do something. Get this ready. Okay. This is what everybody's doing right now. I look around the room. There's a few of you. I'm not sure you're still doing it. If you stop doing it, a safety team will come in and throw those paddles on you. This is what you're doing right now. Your heart's beating, you're breathing air, and your mind is functioning, and you're a living soul, okay? And this is 
This is life. And, and you're all doing it, and I'm doing it. And then someone comes, and they speak a word of life into you. And in that moment, you receive this word of life. And, and I want you to understand that this is in me right now. I'm living because I'm still standing up here, so life is in Terry. Now, the origin of life is God, right? So no one is living by accident. You're not living by evolution. You're living because God has placed, placed His breath of life inside of you. So life is inside of Terry. That's how I can still talk and breathe. Terry has life inside of me. And then something happens. God's mercy carried through the generations. Someone spoke the word of life. I encountered this. Someone faithfully carried the word of life into a world. And for me, it was in 1988. And someone spoke a word of life. It supernaturally penetrated my heart. And something happened. On that night, I died to myself. And here's Jesus. And here's what happened that night. Terry went inside of Jesus, and in fact, Jesus went inside of Terry, and vice versa. So here's what happens. I can't know Jesus until I know the Word. But that night, the Spirit revealed the Word of life to me. And that night, I believed that the witness testimony of the Apostle John was true. And he's the Word of life, and I'm going to die without him. So I, I believe he is, and by faith I receive Jesus, and Jesus it comes in me, and I am in Jesus. Now, now, that in itself would be wonderful enough, but that doesn't get us to what John revealed as eternal life, to know the Father. So here's what happens. When, I, when this happens, this happens. When you come into Christ by receiving the Word, Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in Jesus. So when Terry gets into Jesus in the Word of life, Terry is actually getting into what? He is now, I can know the Father because I know the Son, and I know the Son because I know the Word, and I know the Word because I know the Spirit, and this is the Word of life. And someone today spoke life to you. And here's the rest of the story. Everybody right now in this room has life in them. But just because you have life in them doesn't mean your life is in this. If you, on the last day, encounter God over here, when He is over here, you are lost. And what happened in that transaction is you rejected life. The Word of life came into your life. The word of life was preached. Someone spoke life into you, and you said no. And the truth is this. This life you're breathing, the problem is it comes with an expiration date. This one has no expiration date. It's called eternal life. This one comes with an expiration date, and you will expire. And when you expire, your physical body will expire. Your soul will not. Your soul will go to the place of torment, into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I've got a question. Who did that to you? You. You did that to you. Why? Because someone spoke the word of life into your life. And you were too preoccupied with all the stuff of the world to listen and receive and believe. So I want to read John 17, 3 one more time. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, the one you have sent. It was the word of life that revealed eternal life today. It was the Bible that showed you this today. Do you love the word? Be honest, come on. Don't stand up and give a testimony, but be honest. Do you love the word? Do you love the word? This past six weeks, eight weeks, do, do you love the word? I love Jesus, but do you love the word? 
You see, there was a time that the church was known as a people of the word. You could never deceive the church because the church knew the word. And now the church around America is being deceived one at a time. They're being picked off by Satan because what? They don't know the word. They have no clue what's in here. So when the devil comes and tells them that this is the new way of enlightenment, they just follow right in behind him because they don't know. Do you love the word? To know the word is to love the word. To know and love the word is to know and love Jesus. You can't separate them. To know and love Jesus is to know and love the Father, and this is the way to have eternal life. There is no other way. There it is. It's the word of life. So I want to do something. I want to repeat the first four verses, and I'm going to ask you one more time. I'm going to ask you one more time. I'm speaking life into this room today. Do you believe this? I'm going to read the first four verses of 1 John, the witness testimony of the one who saw and heard and knows Jesus. Do you believe it? Verse 1, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes, and we touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you. He is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. And we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and actually heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, that's this. He wants us to share in this. We are writing these things for this purpose so that you may share our joy. The word of life, the gospel of Jesus Christ reveals a way to receive eternal life inside of our mortal dying bodies. I must believe and be born again and Christ will come into me. The word of life will enter into me. And in that moment, I cross over from death to life. Jesus says, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. The word of life. I know it sounds a little bit crazy, but that's the only way I know how to do the first four verses of 1 John. Do you know why? Because when I read the Bible, the Bible interprets the Bible. And it's like this. When I read the first verse of 1 John, it paints this little picture but then it directs me over to this and over to this and over to this. And all along, it paints a different part of the same picture so that when it is all painted, I see something I never saw before. And the Spirit is revealing the person of Christ. That's how it works. Do you love the Word? Fellowship with God, fellowship with each other. It's called the church. This is life. While we wait for our King... Many today say they want life, but they don't want Jesus, the source of life, the word of life. Many today say they want Jesus, but they reject the word of life that makes a way for you to truly know Jesus and his Father in heaven. Many today want to live in a place that bears the peaceful fruit of the Judeo-Christian culture while rejecting the word of life that created that culture in the first place. In John 6, 63, Jesus says this, the Spirit alone, the Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Is that not simple? Is that not clear enough? How clear is it? I read a quote by Charles Spurgeon, a Baptist preacher in England in the late 1800s. I, I love what he says. He says, the word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose. He'll defend himself. The Bible reveals today the lion from the tribe of Judah. Let him loose.
let him loose in your life. Watch what happens when you let this lion from the tribe of Judah, the word of life, loose in your life. Watch what happens. He will defend himself. He will defend your family. He will defend those who belong to him. This is urgent. This is a matter of life and death. And I have to be honest, I have a fear when I preach this sermon, the way I preach this sermon, and I want you to understand what that fear is. I fear there are people in this room, there are people watching me online that you will not make it. You will not make it. 50 years from now, 100 years from now, you will be in hell. Why? Because someone spoke the word of life in front of you and you rejected it. You chose death. In your arrogance, in your pride, in your self-sufficiency, in your busyness, you think you can survive without him? In 1 John 5, 11, and this is what God has testified. This is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. And whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. With Jesus, the word of life, you've already crossed over from death to life. You have hope. You have joy. You know what's coming. You're not afraid. But I proclaim to you this truth today. Without Jesus, you are a walking corpse. You are the walking dead, waiting for the darkness and horror and horror of hell. The word of life. The world doesn't know Jesus because the world has rejected this. It has rejected the word of life. So what do we do, church? We keep preaching the word of life to all who will listen. Today, I speak life into this room. The true disciples of Jesus Christ, Christians, know that God sent Jesus, the word of life, to the earth to give us eternal life. If the Lord is willing, we're still here next week. I want to go to part two of this series called The Message of Light. The word of life and the message of life. I'm going to proclaim to you, you cannot live without them. You will die without them. One last word of life to the church today. I mentioned earlier that the Holy Spirit reveals the truth about the future. The Holy Spirit shows us that which is coming. Do you know that one third of this is Bible prophecy? Do you know why one-third of it is Bible prophecy? So that you read it and never understand it? The Holy Spirit will reveal it. So that you and I will know what's coming. We won't know the day. We won't know the hour. But he said, you will understand the times. And when you see all these things begin to happen, look up. For your redemption is drawing near. The Bible specifically says that in the last days before the return of Christ, the church will abandon this. You're living in that generation. When church after church after church after church is abandoning the word of life and supplementing it with their own set of truth that comes straight from hell. Abandoning the word of life. And if, that was, if that's not enough, the Bible also says that a series of things will happen. Just a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, there's this picture that showed up of, of Putin from Russia over in Iran, meeting with the head of Turkey. And if you read Ezekiel 38, by the way, you've got a copy of it, same as I do. In Ezekiel 38, he describes the, the war of Gog and Magog, in which Russia, Turkey, and Iran will be the leaders. And they're assembling 
Just before the first service this morning, my phone pops up a message. More bombs coming into Israel. 350 before today coming in from Islamic Jihad. All these things are beginning to happen. Right now, you live in a generation which the entire world has been prepped for the coming of the Antichrist. You read Revelation 13. There's a man that's coming. In fact, it's going to be in 1 John. We're going to get to that in a few weeks. The Antichrist. You know, it is the word of life. It tells you that which is coming so that you can prepare yourself. And you know, we don't need to be afraid. I already know what's going to happen. Here's the last word, Philippians 2.16. Hold firmly to the word of life. Church. Hold on to this. Hold firmly to the word of life then on the day of Christ's return. Paul says, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Today, I'll ask Chad to come on out. I, I speak life into this room. I speak life. The word of life. And I'm asking everybody a question. Do you believe the witness testimony of the Apostle John? It's yes or no. Is this the word of life? Do you love the Bible? This past six weeks, this past month, this past year, how much time are you spending in the word? Do you think you can function without the word of life? Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear, and our hearts that we could believe, receive, and obey you. Only by your Spirit's power can we be saved. So come, may the words of life, may the Spirit of Christ come inside of us. Move in power and authority among us. Sanctify your bride. Put oil in our lamps. Make us ready for whatever is coming. And may we carry this word of life to those who do not know. Continue this mission until you come for us in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to